0: Cotton Mather, one of the early American fathers, once said, The faithfulness of the people begat prosperity, but then the daughter ate the mother. And by that he meant that often what one generation works hard to pass on to the next ends up being squandered away. The preacher in Ecclesiastes sums this sentiment up. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 18 The preacher says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, saying that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. We live in the midst of an age that is completely ignorant of the riches of previous generations have left them to steward. Let's just take, as an example, the sexes. Feminists will uh, deride men and masculinity on Twitter about how much better the world would be if there were no men. As they type on phones that run on infrastructure built by men and sustained by men. And they drive on roads engineered and made by men. And they flush toilets whose plumbing was installed and serviced by men. Society as we know it would not exist unless men had built it. Only prosperity can lead to such an ignorant sentiment when what was hard won by past generations can be easily taken for granted. On the flip side, the transgender movement has reduced being a woman to picking out your clothes in the morning. Aping the glory of women in appalling shows of depravity that should be revolting, but are sadly applauded. Having no clue what being a woman is, uh, real women are driven to fear when asked what a woman is. I don't know. I'm not a biologist. But even science couldn't help This poor woman to define her sex. We live in an age that has taken for granted all that has been given to it. And we can do that because we are prosperous. And that's just one example. Not to mention our constitution, our nation, or the many traditions that we have been given that we we don't really know what they're for. This turn of events has occurred because we have become unmoored from our Christian roots and are now twisting in the wind looking for anything secure to build a foundation upon. And this level of reaping what you have not sown and despising it might not occur in every generation, but it certainly has an accumulative effect across generations And our current Cultural moment stands then as a cautionary tale of what happens when you are given something that you did not work for. But this outcome does not Natural response to meeting someone who changed your life is to tell others about him. We do this be- because we do it for two reasons. First, we want others to authenticate that what we have found is desirable. Secondly, if we found the genuine thing, we want others to share in our experience of it. So, naturally, after having been offered living waters, and Jesus proving that he is different because he has insight into this woman's life, she, this Samaritan woman at the well, returns to her village. She leaves her water jar there, and she returns to the village to tell everyone about Jesus. And in the meantime, Jesus takes a moment, uh, takes, he uses his hunger as a, a way for him to teach his disciples, just as he had used his thirst earlier with the woman at the well. And what ensues is a conversation on reaping what you did not sow. And the unique place that the apostles occupied at the dawning of the harvest, prompting us to ask, what is Jesus' mission? And learning what Jesus' mission will inform what our mission is as well. So as you're able, please stand with me as we read from the gospel according to John Chapter 4, beginning in verse 27. It's also printed for you in your bulletin. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek Or, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, "'Rabbi, eat!' But he said to them, "'I have food to eat that you do not know about.' So the disciples said to one another, "'Has anyone brought him something to eat?' And Jesus said to them, "'My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest?' Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we give you thanks for this, your word. We ask, Father, that you would open our hearts to receive it. Bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. May they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our closest kinsman redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. This episode is like a sandwich. On either side of the discussion of Jesus and his disciples are two pieces of bread, if you will. Two episodes, two scenes of uh, the woman going back to the village, a Samaritan woman, and telling them about Jesus. And then the final scene is the Samaritans coming back out to see Jesus. And sandwiched in the middle of that is this discussion that Jesus has with his disciples, And these two episodes serve to facilitate that. And that is the main point of this whole episode. Before moving to that conversation, though, I want to point out a few things. First, notice that after her conversation with Jesus, the Samaritan woman at the well left her water jar and went back into the village to tell others about Jesus. Her message is very simple. I met a man who told me all that I have done. Could this be the Christ? She's not uh, an apologist. She doesn't have a polished message of the gospel. She has encountered Jesus. And that has her. And it have in curiosity that provoked people to see Jesus for themselves. But when they come and investigate, they find her testimony not merely corroborated, but accepted and believed. All she does is invite them to come and see. Some believe just because of her testimony. But others, they need to experience Jesus. And how true is this in the life of many believers? I wasn't one of those people who could just be nurtured in the faith in my covenant home and then trust in Christ. I had to have my faith so tested that I realized the limits of my depravity before I came back and realized the mercy of the gospel and how much I needed Jesus. But each are acceptable, right? Some do grow up in the faith and they never know a day. And I pray that for Micah, that he never knows the day when the Lord is not his Savior. Some can just hear the testimony of the woman and they believe. Others, they need to come And see Jesus. And that is the context for Jesus' discussion of his mission and, of course, the mission of the disciples as well. So, first, we'll look at Jesus' mission as we unpack this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Just as Jesus used his break at the well, remember he was thirsty and he asks the woman for water and then he uses that as an opportunity to offer her water. In the same way, the disciples come back from the village. They've purchased food, and they're wondering why he's not hungry. Well, Rabbi, you need to eat. Take some food. And he says, I have food to eat that you do not know of. Now, one of the themes that runs throughout John's gospel is misunderstanding. The disciples misunderstand him. The woman at the well misunderstood when he offered him, when he offered her living waters, he was offering her himself. She thought, I want that. I don't want to come here again and draw every day. And the disciples misunderstand too. They think that he's got food from someone else. And so they argue amongst themselves, but no one dared say anything. And then his disciples, having returned from getting food in the village, they find Jesus having a conversation with this Samaritan woman. And no one dared say anything about it, although it made them uncomfortable. Something Jesus is actually quite good at. He's still making us uncomfortable, hopefully to today. But notice something refreshing about Jesus' methods. He, he's quietly subverting the sexism of his day by carrying on a conversation with this three-strike woman. Remember we said a couple weeks ago that uh, no self-respecting rabbi would have ever entered into this kind of conversation. She was first a woman, then she was a Samaritan, and on top of that, she was sexually immoral. She wasn't even married to the man that she was living with. But Jesus, none of those boundaries bother Jesus. He wants to talk to this woman because he is going to offer her his life. And so, although the disciples do not understand, they don't say anything. And Jesus, uh, what's refreshing about this is that Jesus is not overthrowing the entire created order just because there's abuse and that's what we do in our current moment is if something is abused then we throw the whole thing out but just because marriage has been abused does not mean we get rid of the institution just because men are abusive does not mean that there is not a proper place for man we need to be careful not to throw things out just because there has been abused those positions or those things have been abused Jesus corrects abuse without overthrowing the distinctions between men and women. He instead elevates this woman by having a conversation with her. And he puts her in the rightful place, a place of glory. And the disciples don't understand this, but they will eventually as they walk with Jesus. So returning from the village with food, they urge Jesus to eat. And, they, and this gives Jesus exactly what he needs a moment to teach them about his mission, about what really matters. And of course, what lies behind this discussion is, for, is taken from Deuteronomy This belongs to the Lord from beginning to end. He did the work and you enter into it. That we may call the passive way of entering into his labor. But there's, there's also an active, ongoing aspect to entering in. The life of faith is just that, a life of faithfulness. Put another way, those who enter into his labor, reaping what they did not sow, also bear fruit in their own lives. That is, they are transformed by the work of Christ, which is evident in the fruit that they bear. Jesus warns his disciples to, to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. There are those who claim to be entering in to his labor, but it's not evident by the fruit their life bears. Christ sowed righteousness in you. How then can we be filled with the works of the flesh? What Christ the harvest that Christ looks for is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. St. Augustine prayed, Our Lord, our Savior, who has warned us that we will require much of those to whom much is given, grant that we whose lot is cast in so goodly a heritage may strive together more abundantly by prayer by almsgiving, by fasting, and by every other appointed means to extend to others what we so richly enjoy. And as we have entered into the labors of other men, so to labor that in their turn other men may enter into ours to the fulfillment of your holy will and our own everlasting salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Even as we've entered into the labor of Christ. We've also entered into the labor of all those who have gone before us in Christ. The fruit that they bore became also the seeds that they planted so that generations later would have a harvest, meaning there is a way to reap what you did not sow and be unfaithful with that harvest. The parable of the talents helpfully illustrates this. You can take all the wealth Christ has given you from generations past and bury it in the ground. Or you can take it and make it fruitful, gaining a harvest of righteousness. This is true personally. It's true in your family. It's true in this church. And it's true in our society at large. What will or are your children reaping from your labor? Hours on Netflix or doom scrolling the news or watching cat videos on YouTube. Those are not the kind of things that accumulate to wealth that you pass on. Eating together as a family, opening up the Word and praying together, loving their mother or their father, disciplining them and instilling in them. Judge between what God loves and what He hates. That will for eternity. You see, entering into the labor of Christ, receiving His work of redemption, will change you. If it doesn't change you, you have not entered into His labor. And that change will affect your family, it will affect the church, it will affect our nation. Jesus uses the evangelism of the Samaritans to teach his disciples about his mission and theirs. The fields are indeed white for harvest. Are, Are you reaping already? Are you? Are you reaping the benefits of Christ? Are you sowing more seeds so that future generations may enter into your labor? We have been blessed with the harvest of past generations. Don't squander the harvest. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the blessing that it is that we can enter into the work of Christ, that we can receive his benefits of redemption, and that those seeds can bear fruit in our lives, leading to a harvest of righteousness. Father, help us good of what you have given us. You our time and energy in ways that bring glory and honor to you so that others who come after us, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren may reap the benefits of our labors. For we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and amen.